standing on the bones of my father. The boy who lived. How lies have fed your legend, Harry. I can touch you. favorite uh, Harry Potter movie actually mine was uh, the last one Prisoners yeah you missed out on that one that's okay you had baby stuff Mm -hmm. congratulations by the way thank you thank you thank you yes uh, Drew had a newish child over the last couple weeks newish that's what I call all my kids yeah. But, uh, whenever I have a new one, it's it's newish than the last one. Newish. The other one's oldish. You have a new baby? Well, ish. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Got a couple well, oldish. we got another one coming on the way. Yeah. Again? I got a newish and then a couple oldish. Uh, oldish and newish. Yeah, so we were able to record a couple in advance and get Kaylee on the mic for yep. Prisoner to give you that little break you mm-hmm. needed. <clears throat> but we're back at it now. We got Spielberg September coming up next month. Yeah, I know. Are you excited? Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm glad we did uh, um, Sandlot. came out really well, I think. Yeah. Very entertaining. 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 But today we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. This is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Um, This movie came out in 2005. It was directed by Mike Newell. The writers were Steve Clove, again, coming back for the screenplay, and J.K. Rowling is the source material. This movie stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. Um, this also star, stars Timothy Spall as Wormtail. This is going to do it by order of appearance here. Uh, we have David Tennant as Barty Crouch Jr. I love David Tennant. Yep. Well, we got all the same players back for the Weasleys. Um, Jason Isaacs back as Lucius Malfoy. Um, basically all the same players you've heard in previous uh, ones. Uh, Robert Hardy is back as Cornelius Fudge. And um, do you want to help me say Victor Crumb's name? No. <laughs> Just call him Victor Crumb. Stanislav Yanevsky. Sounds Russian. That's uh, Well, I think so. But that's, that's, as, that's as close as I can get, I think. Yeah. So... Um, I'm so excited about this movie, but first I want to get to something that I asked you um, the other day. Mm-hmm. And it was just random because I was watching a movie, and at the time I was watching this movie, I was watching this character, and I was like, I have always loved this character so much. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this is my favorite performance of a character of any movie I've ever seen in my life. Like, 
you have certain ones that are Oscar worthy, this, that, but a consistent makes me feel something all the way through, always concentrated on that character when they're in there, whether it's just because you fully believe it's that person, they've, they've disappeared into that role or whatever it is. But, but I just decided that this one character was my favorite character in all of cinema, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask you if you have somebody. Don't like get annoyed that. by my answer, okay? I and you told you me that, that I, you told me that you know that I wouldn't like it. I don't know what that means, but uh, what's your favorite character in all of cinema? Naruto. No, but that's cartoon. It's still a character. <laughs> it's played by an actor. Okay. All right. So let's say that's for TV shows. But he's in movies. I the movie The Last is my favorite movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. Let's say let's that's say what that's I was right. telling. I warned okay, you ahead of time. But do you right? have a live action no, one? I don't. I really don't. Could you I, think I of t- one? No, because uh, there's so many different ones that I can't really say one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like saying that's like saying like Luke Skywalker was better than Indiana Jones. I can't. I can't say that because I like them equally. But I love Naruto, and he does have movies. But I love Naruto and his character and what his character means and represents and the action and everything else like that more than any other character in cinema. What does it make you feel? It makes me feel good. Like, just the ups and downs. You know, I mean, I'm a huge Naruto fan. I mean, I've got tattoos and such. But, you know, his character just means so much. You know, it's just, you know, his character represents, you know, if you work hard enough, you try hard enough, you'll be, you know, you can be a great person a great uh, man, a great human, you know. Knowing you like I do, um, I thought you, I would have thought you would have gotten a Dragon Ball Z tattoo way before you got. Well, Dragon Ball Z is now my second favorite anime behind Naruto. Let me show you this. Look at this. This is Kaylee's notes. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I was still going. (laughs) <laughs> Top list. <Yeah>. Extra shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Left this in there. That's funny. Um, okay, so my favorite character in all of cinema is Samwise Gamgee. Played by what? I've heard people say that before. That's what why is I wrong said with that. you? I, I mean, he's a great character, but like, <laughs> like in that film, I thought Aragon was better. I mean, he was he was portrayed great. Yeah. But I think I just think that, and I, you know, I understand this is a preference thing, but there's nobody like as good as Samwise is, you know, and you're watching it, you're just watching it, it's like, out of this whole story, like Samwise is like the real true hero of it. Like, I understand that Frodo didn't have much of an option because he was being taken over. And everything, and that's why he didn't want to get rid of the ring and and all this kind of yeah. stuff. But, but like to have Samwise be just just a G the whole way, and always be good, and always be watching out for other people, and being the like you can't think of a truer best friend in all of movies. I don't think than Samwise. But um, and and the way that Sean Astin plays him. Mm-hmm. Just real simply with his little accent and everything, and when they're just talking about potatoes and how to make those up and everything, to uh, him thinking that Frodo died and having that emotional moment, and then him saying, you know, I, I may not be able to carry the ring, 
uh, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And he throws Frodo over his shoulder mm-hmm. and begins to carry him up the rest of the way of Mount Doom. I mean, just like, <clears throat> that dude is just everything to yeah. me. And that's from somebody who's not like a huge Lord. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings, yeah. but it's not like Star Wars to me or yeah. something like that. I mean, yeah. I love Obi-Wan, but mm-hmm. I just think Samwise is awesome. Yeah. He's my favorite. He's my favorite and done by Sean Astin. Yeah. Um, so, leading into this movie out of everything we've talked about, um, this movie is not very well liked by a lot of people. Um, it's... It, it has to diverge does it does diverge a lot from the books and that's a big thing and i've heard people say that the people that say that this is their favorite movie usually haven't read the books or at least hasn't read this book i've read this book but i'm gonna be honest i've read the other books multiple times i think i'm pretty sure i've only read this one once so i don't notice as much of the differences i i can probably uh, i'll name off a few of the things that weren't in the movie that I remember from the books, but um, that may be why. Maybe I just maybe I like it, and, and a lot of people, a lot of fans don't because they've read the, read the, the book and know it very well and know everything that was changed and taken out of it. I just think it's such a huge task. And yes, the director wasn't really concerned about you know the the he didn't read the the books before it and didn't know the story very well and everything. But I mean, he did read this book. He talked. He talked non-stop about how it was like a huge brick yeah and just so hard to but i mean other books were adapted as well so well i think this was the first introduction to like you know older harry you know like the first three movies were kind of he was around the same age in a sense you know i mean you know obviously third one he was a little bit older you know but and bigger and whatnot but you know it just kind of felt like he didn't really get into the older version of harry and you got a lot more adult themes in this movie than you have in the previous three i agree it's the midpoint Mm -hmm. right so and the movies at the end of this is the midpoint because the movies there's eight movies and this is the fourth one uh throughout the storytelling though this is the actual middle part yeah you have the first three books and then this book yep. and then you have the last three books four five or uh, five five six and seven yeah so yeah it is the middle point and you know you have younger harry then you have older harry mm-hmm. and you have that in order and half-blood prince and and deathly hallows and stuff so yeah this is the midpoint this is really when he comes of age kind of the turning point into his adult adulthood and i think that's represented by you know cedric diggory and what happens to him and all that um, but you know, you know, one thing I had a problem with too is, and this is just if I don't say it, I won't forget it. Oh, um, you're good. Is like they were trying to make Victor Kronk, uh, yeah. What is his Victor name? Victor Kronk. Crum. I was about Crum. to say he's Kronk in the club. I was about to say Creel, just because I watched some Stranger Things stuff last yeah. night. Yeah, but yeah, Victor Crum. But, but Victor Crum, like they were trying to make him, you know, portrayed. You know, even the way that they they like filmed him, and well, obviously we know that. But I mean, I mean, like even the way that you viewed him. You know, on the screen, they made him look to be massive person. But then you, when you see right before they jump into the water... He's very short. He's very small. And Robert Pattinson's, like, even bigger. Well, he's Batman. Because I'm Batman! <laughs> well, no, this because this was before the Twilight movies. And in the Twilight movies, he looks a lot more... Uh, Skinnier, mm-hmm. you know. Where in this movie, he's kind of tall, though. Yeah, he's. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he 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 towered over all of them. Yeah, you know I don't what know I mean? How tall he is. But the but... thing is, is is like even his his bulkiness was bigger than Crumbs, and I was like, 
why are they trying to portray him to be such a massive human being when he's kind of a little guy? You know? Yeah, and he can, yeah, he can, he's known for being on a, a broom, I guess, but, you know. <laughs> I guess. Well, Robert Pattinson's 6'1", so he's about your height. Actually, I'm taller than him, I guess. I know, but you're, that's why I say he's about your height. And, I mean, like, if you look at uh, Jacob, the one who played Jacob in Twilight, he's much shorter than yes. the one who hit then Robert yes, Pattinson that's as what well. I heard too, and yeah. I think he was supposed to be just as tall as him in the book, too. Yeah. So I think it's like, you know, he had a good face. Victor Crumb had, a, like, a mm-hmm. menacing face mm-hmm. and everything. And you could tell that when he got possessed later on and everything. But I think that was the point was that <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. I think that was the point. It's like, uh, let's let's get the menacing face on him. We can use camera tricks to make him look big. And he kind of did in certain times. Mm-hmm. He could look menacing, I guess, as long as he's not standing directly next to somebody well, and, in a and, wide shot or and something. And Emma Watson's not that big of a person either. You know what I mean? She's not very – neither – you know, I mean, now uh, Ron is tall. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe's pretty short. Yeah, too. Daniel Radcliffe's pretty short. Emma Watson's pretty short, and then um, what's his face? Rupert Grant. Rupert Grant he's is a uh, taller. Yeah, he's he's seems like he's always been a lot taller. You know. Yeah, both him and the guy one who played Harry is supposed to be a bit taller, but um, yeah. <clears throat> but I digress. So we will go back. Yeah, the director he uh, you know he he didn't he wasn't as passionate about the Harry Potter source material as the other directors might have been. So that that might have played a part into some of this the 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 uh, peop, you know mischaracterizations that people point out like yeah. Dumbledore, okay. So like one of the biggest things that you always see in memes and all this kind of stuff all over the place is Dumbledore coming after Harry going. Harry, did you put your name in the cupboard of the fire? No, sir. Ask one of the oldest students to do it for you. No, sir. You're absolutely sure. Yes, sir. I got problems with that too. It's like it's like. You know, he like we always say that, Harry. but but you know, if you notice in this film, he kind of seems like not the Dumbledore door for used to. You know what I mean? The Dumbledore for you usually used to is one that's uh, basically like you can even see. And it doesn't matter who the actor is, but you can see in their eyes. You know, whether it's Michael or uh, what's his face. You know, um, uh, Jason. Yeah, it, it just to me, it just kind of seems like. No, not Michael Jason. I'm talking about the actors that played Dumbledore. <laughs> okay. Michael or Richard Harris. Yeah. Whatever they, I thought yeah. you were trying to compare Richard them to Harris, slashers yeah. behind their masks. Anyways, um, so, no, it's just like, you know, every other movie that you see him in, you know, he always looks like he knows what's going on. Like, he knows everything that's going on. He's just letting it all play out. This film was the only one where it looked like he he was lost. Like, he had no clue. He didn't see the plan. And I I just find it really hard to believe that Dumbledore didn't know what was going on throughout the entire movie, pretty much. He was dealing with two geniuses, which is something I want to get into. Um, Voldemort's basically a magical genius. Yeah. And uh, and Barty Crouch Jr. is is not too far behind him. He's probably the smartest. Which which I remember I forgot about that in the book. Yeah, from the book that he was that, so intelligent. Yes, that he was extremely intelligent because you can't just get over Moody like that. Like nobody can just just basically whole handedly handle an aura of his stature that is known to be a world famous aura. Yeah. And to be able to just take over Moody and just just get the upper hand on Moody. And if what happened to Barty like, Crouch, like like even Voldemort could not get the upper hand over over Dumbledore people. and Moody. You if know, he the, wanted to, he might have been able to. He, maybe I mean, maybe he, Moody, but not Dumbledore. I mean, Voldemort does. 
moody you know yeah later on but yeah uh which which we get into that later on but yeah i mean that's that's the point is that that um you know if if Voldemort wanted to maybe you could but that'd be like the hardest yeah because he's the most powerful aura yeah. that they have or whatever so i think it's it's one of these things where um if if what happened to barty crouch jr at the end of this one didn't happen he would end up being Voldemort's right hand man, right hand man, like like you see him as Moody making fun of Draco and his father, which which the only one close maybe Snape. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we both know that he's he, but he luckily he's a he's a genius for the good side, right? You know, but you know, like you even see that uh, Junior wasn't. I'm gonna just I don't want to say the whole name, Mm -hmm. but we'll say Junior, Barty Junior, Barty Junior was even making fun of Draco. And his father, knowing full full heartedly that you know, no matter how powerful uh, Malfoy or you know, sorry, not Draco and his father, Malfoy and his father. Yeah, Draco and his father, he, Lucius. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. What, what am I going? <laughs> I think you're thinking of the father, Draco, the, in the last but, name. That's but, a point that's at the beginning of yeah. the movie, and and, and the, we're going to explain why Barty's that way because he he's not scared like. Most people are scared of the Malfoys. You know, most people are scared of the Malfoys and, you know, because of their stature and whatnot. But but Junior's not scared because he knows that he could probably take him without even thinking twice. So Barty Jr. is, and you're not supposed to know this until the end of the movie, but Barty Jr. is, if you had a poster boy of the most devout follower of Voldemort, Voldemort, yes. You would, it, it, you'd have Barty Crouch just as much as you would have Bellatrix. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. I said, those two are fanatical equal. and yeah. everything. Yeah. And they both are the ones that tortured Neville's parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, because, it, yeah, Bellatrix gets all the, the, the reputation for that, but Barty was there too, as well yeah. as somebody else. I can't remember who it was. But there was a, a, a few people the there. Wolf, the, the Wolf. Yeah, one. I think that's, that's who it was. But I know Barty and Bellatrix were the main ones. Yeah. And it was really. Barty that did most of it, which is explained yeah. by Karkaroff in this movie whenever he's well, and, the Well, and if you notice that, you know, all in all, the villains from these Harry Potter movies are more powerful than the good guys. Like, even some of the, the lower level guys are seem to be po- more powerful than some of the upper level good guys. You know, in, in the long run, it's like, you kind of think that if it wasn't for magic itself and having certain rules that the villains would have been able to blow through all the good guys without any trouble whatsoever. Well, it's kind of like the same thing as Star Wars, right? Like like the you can get more you you may be able to get more out of the dark side or yeah. whatever, but yeah. it's going to destroy you in the end. Yeah. It will destroy you exactly. And yeah. I think it's like the light is way is yeah. actually more powerful, but as far as like the darkness and what you can draw yeah. from it, especially if you're yeah. damaged and everything. Yeah. yeah. But it just kind of seems like all the bad guys are are tremendously like Beatrix Lestrange you know as as nutso as she was she was extremely powerful wizard mm-hmm. you know and and probably equaled out serious uh serious sure you know i i'm i i would be willing to bet that they were probably equal in power well in the books it showed them and i don't want to give it away right now because we're gonna do it next episode yeah. but in the books it shows that they did a lot more one-on-one dueling than the movie show yeah and then you got somebody like dumbledore against voldemort you know who who are pretty much equal you know it you know, Voldemort, I mean, Dumbledore maybe just a hair, but that's because of his age. That's because of his age, you know, and, and 
That, that being said, the book fight between Dumbledore and Voldemort in Order of the Phoenix versus yeah. the movie, yeah. Voldemort was much more, or I mean, Dumbledore was much more in control and didn't have as hard of a time in the books yeah. as he did in the movie. Yeah. Where it was kind of a contest for him. Right, right, right. But that's what I'm saying. It's just, it, to me, it just seems like the villains are a lot more stronger. I mean, and, and again, you're right with Star Wars, you know. I mean, Palpatine was able to take down Yoda. I mean, it, essentially speaking, was be able, be able to take down Yoda and would have wholeheartedly handled Obi-Wan. I hate to say it, but oh, Pal- yeah, pa- Palpatine. The well, only- that's why he was like, send me to kill the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can't do that. You know, full, full power Anakin. He couldn't. Palpatine couldn't have took Anakin. That's why he wanted if he had Anakin. Reached his potential. Yeah, if he would have reached his potential, just like Luke reached his potential, and so therefore, you know, Palpatine wasn't able to. Yeah, beat but him. as soon as Obi Wan spanked him, he no longer had the ability to reach his full potential. Right. Take but but my whole my whole point that. is that it, it just seems like, you know, that that's a good uh, recipe for a villain is you know essentially have them more stronger than the good guys. Yeah. You know because you know you we're, we're seeing the culmination of. Everything happened with Harry, you know, Harry, Harry and his mother didn't actually do anything necessarily particularly to stop Voldemort, right? What it was, was magic and the rules that, that, that are set by magic that even people like Voldemort have to follow, no matter how, how bad he tries to battle it and how much of a genius he thinks, he still has to follow magic. Just like we see in this film a lot. And he doesn't know anything about love, so. Right, right. He doesn't understand that magic. And we just see like. We just and he doesn't see this. wish to understand it. Yeah, he doesn't. He does. He he doesn't respect it. Right. You know what I mean? Like everybody else in the magic world, he uses it as a tool. You know, and and so we see that a lot in this movie. I think because, you know, with with there's certain rules, and that's what I think the tri tri wizard tournament is about. Is is you know the respect for magic and and to actually, you know learn the rules of magic that you have to do certain things a certain way just like when you have to rescue who you have to rescue you can only rescue one of them you know or these mermaid people will attack you you know just like you know you have to play the egg under the water you know i mean i I know i'm getting ahead but i'm just trying to make the point that that's what this tournament's about i think is that you know the rules of magic and how to obey it and how to respect it you know yeah, it's also interesting to see how many things go behind the scenes as far as, you know, Harry telling <clears throat> Harry telling Cedric about the uh, dragons and Cedric telling Harry about how to listen to the egg and, uh, you know, Neville getting involved and all this kind of well, stuff. And it's all been masterminded by Junior anyways. Right, but I mean, it's interesting to see that because, uh, you know, to kind of add on to what you were saying, that the, the, the tournament is also about... Uh, cooperation, you know, between wizards yep. and coming together and everything. So that, that's why they're doing it is because they that that a peaceful world is is a world where you know magic works together with each other, not against each other, you know, and not not this whole you know. And it's kind of a lot lot kind of shoot back to you know the days of uh, X Men and stuff like what Stan Lee did with X Men. You know how he brought politics into into comics. And ninety percent of the people didn't even realize that's what he was doing. Well, I mean, just that's like what with X-Men here, is, mm-hmm. is about it's just X Men is about racism, right? And then just like with this world, you know, they're trying to get away from the racist, you know, aspects of it. But you know, Voldemort, who is the the baddie of the bad, is only about pure bloods. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yet not being one himself. That's why. And and uh, did I bring this up last time? Why? Um, I want to say this theory because that I have behind this movie with why Voldemort chose Harry and not Neville Longbottom. Because if you read the book, 
and I think it hits on it just a little bit in the movies, but you know, not until the later movies. Yeah, well, not until the later stories that this really actually comes in. Yeah, um, he picked him because uh, uh, Harry comes from uh, a half blood like he did, like he did, and Neville was pure blood. blood. All all family was pure blood, but he Mm -hmm. wanted somebody that was close to him. Mm -hmm. So for all his pure blood mania, yeah. And I think we might have mentioned this in the earlier because well, this is a theory for, for all of his yeah. pure blood mania. He went for the one that came from a half blood Lily, right? right. Uh, thinking that it would be the same as him because that's he's powerful and mm-hmm. he looks or he's surrounded by all these pure blood Death Eaters that uh, many of them are morons and mm-hmm. and just inept, you know. They're it's, all morons, so, but they're strong yeah, morons. Like Lucius and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So he just doesn't. They're th- powerful he, morons. He's like, look, I'm surrounded by these pure bloods. They don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But this is the way I can get control. This is the which way is so we can funny. Take control over muggles. Yeah, which is so ironic because you know he's pushing for pure bloods only, and he is not a pure blood him, himself. Yeah, he just looks back at it because he he knows he is a descendant, and we learn this in the second film. But we we know he's a descendant of Salazar Slytherin. Right. Therefore, he, we learned that in chamber. Right, right. And, and, yeah. And and so we find out there, that's the reason he, um, you know, he, he feels entitled because he, he feels that, hey, I'm, you know, I might not be a pure blood, but I come from one of the oldest original families of all time. Well, you know? a lot of it's his ego and his pride too because he came from nothing. Yeah. And he felt that he came from nothing but he was owed everything yeah. because of where he came from and everything. Just like so, Harry and but Harry's totally opposite thinking, you know. You know what I call this movie? What? The tragedy of Cedric Diggory. Yeah, it, because it's a tragedy in more ways than one. But he played. Yeah, I think Robert Pattinson did a good job in this role. I think he did a great good. job. I mean, this is before he was famous, yep. so he didn't really know how to play things. He was kind of playing things. I mean, this is his first major role. It was before mm-hmm. Twilight, before Batman, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I think he did a very good job in being kind of a, a just kind of a affable, nice guy. I mean, typical yeah. Hufflepuff. You yeah, know? just just real chill and everything. And. You know, he wasn't really into people being mean to uh, Harry. Yeah, but the but problem he, is, you see some of these Hufflepuffs; they were rude to Harry. I know, think it was they were known to be like common. You know, but look at it. This was supposed people. to be Cedric's moment, Cedric's mm-hmm. year, right? Every single year is Harry's year. I know something happens, and Harry is in the spotlight. Whatever, right? Yeah. This, if Harry had never gotten put into this tournament, yeah, Cedric would have won it. Tell me that I'm wrong on that. No, I believe it. Yeah, because he, I mean, he, won, he won the water. He was faster in the water. Right. He figured out the egg because he's a lot smarter than. And apparently, he did very well in the dragon. Yeah, the and dragon then scene. did well in the dragon, and had a fight with Crumb in the maze and yeah. won it. Yeah. He, he definitely would have won this. So I think Cedric would have won it, and it would, should have been like his glory, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, ego and pride and glory, it's all stupid anyways. But, I mean, they what did they say? That, what did Dumbledore say? Eternal glory. Yeah. Awaits. Yeah. For, you know, this should have been Cedric's moment, and I think, I think just all the other kids were sick. Of hearing about Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Every single year they were in all, all in school together. Yeah. And this was Cedric's last year, right? Because he was 17. Yeah. He was, a, uh, you know, the senior in the, the school yeah. or whatever. Um, but he w- It should have been his year. It should Not only should he not have met the fate that he did, but he should have been celebrated mm-hmm. for his kindness, for his magical prowess, all that kind of stuff. 
you know, this would have been, he would have gone down in history. And so not only was he robbed of his life, but he was robbed of his legacy as well. It should have been his legacy. And you see that heartbreak in the father. I got you. Come on, easy now. Well, that's like like with with Moody or Junior, however you want to look at it. You know, he was saying how how you know Cedric's basically Cedric's a, a prodigy. You know, basically does good in everything he does. You know, or tries, right. and then you know, I mean, granted, liked by everybody. Yeah, and it sucked because he was damned at the beginning of the movie. The first scene we saw him, he was damned at even, that point. Yeah, even because it had already been planned. Exactly. Even Slytherins liked uh, mm-hmm. liked him. No Slytherins liked Harry. Really, nobody likes Harry besides Gryffindor. But but it's, it's kind of yeah, funny I mean, too he's that you're seeing that this like All Star is coming from Hufflepuff, which is known kind of being yeah. as a. Uh, like the band nerds of high school kind of thing. Or the no stoners. No or offense, the stoners. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's what they were known for. And then you have somebody that's basically the all-star of the school happens to be a uh, Hufflepuff. But in all reality, we know it's Gryffindor is is the... Uh, Gryffindors are the jocks. They're, they're the jocks. They're the football players. Ravenclaw is yeah. the uh, math club. Yes, yes. Uh, Slytherin is, is the, the emo kids <laughs> out in the back smoking cigarettes. Emo kids. No, but... You know the ones that drew all you know the white white yeah. paint and then the 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 black hair and the yeah. big jinko jeans. I just think it's sad that you know uh, he got pulled into it. Cedric got pulled into it, and it, it was really in this battle that he shouldn't have been a part of between Harry and Voldemort. You know, and there's many casualties that are pulled along, but this is the first death that we have from that of a child in school. Yeah, you know, in this age and everything, so it really hit everybody really hard i don't know i mean i personally think that the worst one that hit me first was moaning myrtle you know i mean that was well, a I mean, sad story when you think about it and you think okay well voldemort had her killed by the basilisk yeah and you know you think of like the that's the true real death i think in this in these movies is moaning myrtle i mean it's so depressing i think it's now the she's stuck overlooked. in the women's bathroom for the rest of her existence it, well yeah i think it's the most look i think they say that the ghosts can move on if they want to but most yeah. of, like a lot of them choose not yeah to. but i mean Maybe she's she, like a teenager never, in high school that she never graduated never Hogwarts, graduated so she wants to stick yeah. around and that'd be like that. never graduating from your high school but going there like being in some internal loop that you're constantly going through freshman sophomore junior year freshman sophomore you know over and over again yeah uh did you like how this movie opened up yes i did i really liked it i i I was like after three movies i was good to not deal with the dursleys because it was it was becoming the same thing yeah yeah yeah. okay these people are treating but but he's he's somehow he, he doesn't have the upper hand at the very very beginning of every single one for some reason He's still under the thumb. He finds some way that they piss him off, and he finds some way to get out of there and everything. I'm so glad we got to skip that and jump straight into what was going on. But if you've read all the books and watched all the movies, you know that having the Dursleys there is there's an important reason why. I mean, we'll definitely get into it later, but you kind of have to. I mean, it sucks that, you know, I I was done with them after the first one, to be honest with you. I was like, you know what? They don't really proceed the story anymore. They don't. We know they're jerks. We get it. Yeah, we we know that they treat him like crap, and we know that he gets the upper hand, gets away every single time, comes back, probably gets grounded for the summer. He he probably grew up having the suckiest summers of all time. Yeah. You know, like we grew up having awesome summers 
because of our aunt and everything else and our, our parents and stuff. But, you know, we had awesome summers. He summers probably sucked. And like in the real movies, bad. In the movies, we're done with that that premise, right? Mm-hmm. Because the next, you know, we didn't have it this movie. The next movie, there's a little bit, there's more of a dispute with the magical world, bringing the Dursleys into the magical world mm-hmm. now. And then they're not even in the you know yeah. half blood prince. So you know, you were saying how you know it, it sucked for him because it was supposed to be his year and whatnot. You know, but you got to think about it. Who's worse off than anyone? It's Harry. Is that from the moment he got to that school to the moment he leaves that school, he's gone through hell. Oh, I know. And we like, we, we kind of with the word. I'm we've sure ex- he wishes he he lived. Uh, uh, Cedric's life. Cedric's life. Yeah, but and you know? that's well, maybe, but with the death and everything. I mean, but you know, what I'm saying is like we've accepted that this is Harry's life. Right? Yes, correct. It feels. But I don't think he has. It feels like just because he was so good at what he did, and he was so pure and liked by others, and all this kind of stuff, and he was accepted by the the Triwizard Cup, or I mean, the Goblet of Fire into the Triwizard Tournament. You know, it felt like he just kind of get wrapped up because I mean, nothing happened to Floor, nothing no. happened to Victor, and everything. So no, it, she gets a bad pretty pretty later on, but uh, she well, yeah, I mean her, but I mean she does have a happy ending. Yeah, and she Victor does. goes on and everything, but it's just that Cedric seems like you know he was always this nice kid, and he just got pulled into this world. Now we know like a lot of people are going to be, you know, involved in this and everything, but you know. I don't know. It just it just it it just felt harder for me with Cedric because um, I don't know. I guess just because he he just got pulled into this thing that he never should have been part of. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the trade off, right? I mean, it was just like kill the spare. Yeah. That's what was said, and Wormtail killed him. Just just like okay, well, he's extra. With, this is why they didn't need to kill her. This is why J.K. Rowling is a master at this you know she's she's a master it, it, it's uh and, and you notice if you notice it i think it happens a lot with british british literature okay you know you have this this amazing character that you're like man i could see a separate movie for this character all about his life oh crap he just died <laughs> you know what i mean kind of like like she makes you want to love and, and, and you know i gotta say actually a lot of good writers do this but not just british ones but it's it's like they get you to really get into this character, and then you're then they like kill him off. Yeah, you know what what was it like? Uh, I guess Game of Thrones was kind of a lot like yeah. that too, where they would kill off these great characters that you love and you wanted to see more of, and bam, they're dead. You know, and I think that's kind of what J.K. Rowling was trying to do with this. She was like trying to say, oh well, look, let's talk about this. Oh, let's get back to Harry. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think what it is is that we had never been introduced to him before. He was introduced in this book. And it took you through and it showed you that he was a good person, that he was very good at magic, and everybody loved him. His, da- then, his dad was super proud of him. Yeah. His dad, his da- you, know, you can tell he had, he had a great home life. I mean, yeah. he wasn't rich. He was, he was his dad's home him, priority. Yeah, and all them that. and the Weasleys knew each other so that you probably didn't have a ton of money. You know, he yeah. probably lived a, a normal normal non-privileged normal life Hufflepuffy life a huffy puffy life a huffy, but you know that's the I guess that's, that's do you think Puff Daddy's a Hufflepuff probably if he's, he takes that he's test a Hufflepuff Daddy mm-hmm. Hufflepuff Daddy. Daddy yeah Hufflepuff Daddy <laughs> um, so I like that it starts off with them leaving 
um, cinematography starts out oh, great. Man, when you're going up that hill and you see the sunrise and yeah. everything. And then even them on on the brooms and during the game, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like, wow, you know, this is it's amazing that the, the dragon tail and them, stuff, the yeah. underwater stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the underwater stuff is not as good as the rest, but it still looked pretty good. Oh yeah, and we really get the and best the look of of uh, Hogwarts than we ever have yet to date. And we have, like, we have such a close up look, a great you know structural look of the the castle where before it was a lot more just further away you got a lot of flying around yeah yeah, yeah that was one of my questions do you think that that they're allowed to um fly around just for fun and they're off time no not unless it's a tournament like this i'm sure see i, I don't why wouldn't you be able to well, fly because, around the grounds that would be because fun. you have owls coming in and out so i'm sure that that, that you <laughs> air could traffic control. air traffic control. you don't want a bird strike yeah, correct <laughs> um okay so uh, did Snape warn Dumbledore that his dark mark tattoo was getting darker yes. and less dull, yes. signaling Voldemort's imminent return? Yep. And that's why Dumbledore hired Moody to have a powerful yes. aura near Harry at all Correct. times. Correct. Correct. Okay. I don't know if it was in the book. I want to no, say no, that no, maybe. No, 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 no. Let me, let me hold on. I think it's halfway that. I think that this was some sort of plan that, that Moody showed up or junior showed up as moody trying to encourage it maybe maybe showed up to dumbledore dorf and said something like hey uh we've been getting a lot of chatter here and there you know do you want me to come in kind of thing and dumbledore you know almost like making it his dumbledore's idea well i don't know how the whole meeting between them took if it was explained in the book but i know there are certain the timelines are a little bit off from the movie and the book uh, because of what actually happened with Barty Crouch. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I don't know if maybe he went to Dumbledore, but I do think, because I think this is the first time that really the Dark Marks brought up, the, the all the Death Eaters have on their arms, and the fact that Snape has one too. Um, and whenever Voldemort is around or coming back or whatever, the, the tattoo, it looks like a tattoo, but the mark is very dark and like... like um, um, pronounced and everything yeah. whereas when he was gone the how he's been gone for the last 13 years it got real dull and light uh-huh. and you couldn't have faded you couldn't see it very well well it started getting dark again as he got into that little little tiny baby body and all this kind of stuff it was getting darker and darker signifying that imminent return so i think that snape showed dumbledore and said look i think he's about to come back well didn't it and didn't, dumbledore was like we need to get somebody powerful here that can well didn't crumbs headmaster bring that up to dumbledore too well, well, yeah, yeah. Getting he, darker. He, well, no, he brought it up to Snape. He That's came, right. He may have met with Snape in his little his room. Was like, you can't tell me you. He's basically afraid because yeah. Karkaroff turned on Voldemort yeah. and gave up all the Death Eaters yeah. that he could, so he didn't have to go to Azkaban. Yeah, where in truth, Snape did it out of his own volition. Well, Snape didn't, well, did it since, since yeah. what's her face? Karkaroff did it yeah. because he got caught. Yeah, Snape, Snape did, did it because, for a, uh, a real good reason for Harry's mother. Yeah, and you know, finally figured out through because of Harry's mother that what they were doing was wrong yes. and all that. So, yeah, I think so too. Um, I really like their, you know, it gives you kind of a th- first thing of a port key, but you don't see mon- many port keys the rest of the movie. So yeah. I guess it's not crazy important. Yeah. But, you know, port key is just a magical object you can grab and it'll transport you, and it has to be, it transports you to a specific place as well. Um, but I like the flu system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first this is the first movie that gave us a depiction of how the the general wizard population acts uh, or reacts to these dark wizards to yeah. the Death Eaters. 
um, you know, when they come out of the tent and everybody's screaming and there's explosions and people are screaming, get out, it's the Death Eaters. You know, I thought that was kind of chilling because you're just like, oh, you know, this is how it used to be when Voldemort was in power. Mm -hmm. You know, people talking about Death Eaters. This is the first time we actually got to see Death Eaters and their little Death Eaters. We see it a lot more in Deathly Hollows and stuff like that, too. You know, and I never understood. dark. I never understood why they couldn't disapparate from the uh, World Cup there. And when he was like, get back to the porky. Yeah. It's like, well, why can't you disapparate? Because we know that the wizards can. Well, maybe there's a security feature there. I mean, I, I know this Hogwarts sounds silly. That. Yeah, yeah. You can't disapparate right. or apparate within right. Hogwarts. And I'm ground. sure it's the same situation. So somebody can't come in and like sabotage the game and then pop right back out again kind of thing. Yeah. In the book, the uh, this whole thing takes place on like muggle land. Mm-hmm. They, the muggles like take care of it. I, so I guess they're in on the whole magic thing. Yeah. But, um, so the whole thing with Barty Crouch was a, uh, it was a whole different thing in the book. What had happened in the book, and we're, we'll get to the end of this, but, um, so Barty Crouch has been in Azkaban for years, right? And he's escaped. Not so much. So, I don't know how much you remember. Did you read Goblet of Fire? I, I, I read all of them. I read all of them. But did you read that maybe only once? Or have you read yes, that multiple? one time. That's how many times I read it, too. Yeah. Um, so, what happened with Barty Crouch was when he went to Azkaban, his mom was devastated, his dad was devastated, right? And I think this was maybe only a couple years after he went in. So only. But his dad's a government man. Yeah. And this was only like maybe when Harry was like two or three living with the Dursleys. So this happened quite a while ago. Uh Um, What happened was that they were so devastated and the mother was so devastated about what had happened to her son and everything. She was actually dying of some kind of a sickness. So she convinced Barty Crouch Sr. to uh, get... Barty Crouch Jr., their son, out of prison and to give him some sort of freedom for the rest of his life, you know, do it for me type of thing. So she was sick and she was about to die. So what they had her do is she drank polyjuice potion uh, potion and turned into Jr. Oh. And Sr., because he ha- he works at the department, he works at the ministry, he can get into Azkaban. He took her in there had Junior drink Polyjuice Potion, turned into his mom, switched them out, and took Junior home as his wife, disguised as his wife, and took him home, and the mother died in Azkaban. Yeah. As, yeah, like, they, they did the exchange right before she was supposed to die. Yeah. And so she died in Azkaban, and then she was buried and everything, and so... She'll she underground. is probably eventually that. That's yeah. crazy. So, and then for years... He kept, Barty Crouch Sr. kept Junior under the Imperius curse, an unforgivable curse, you know, because, you know, government people can yeah. get away with whatever they want, yeah. breaking the law and everything. Uh-huh. So he had him under the Imperius curse and always under an invisibility cloak, like when people would come around, when, you know, sometimes he would actually take Junior out into public with them because uh, who was taking care of Junior was this house elf named Winky. And she was like, she loved Barty Crouch Jr. so much, and she was always convincing the dad to take him to this, that. Well, the dad even took him to the World Cup, and that's where he saw Harry and kind of came out of the Imperius a bit and took Harry's wand and did the dark mark. So you were talking earlier about how he was going against the Death Eaters. When he came out of his stupor, the Death Eaters that were attacked the World Cup, they just did it as a prank. 
they weren't they weren't working with Voldemort or Junior yeah. or Wormtail. They did it to kind of relive the old days. Basically, they it's the equivalent of they got drunk at the game, yeah. decided to do old Death Eater shit, yeah. and uh, was messing with the Muggles that were that had control of that 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 campground or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, they were doing that when Barty came out of his stupor a little bit at the game. He saw them doing that. He put the dark mark in the air because he was so angry at them for playing around and doing this stupid stuff instead of trying to find Voldemort because for years when he was under the Imperius curse all he wanted to do was go find Voldemort because like we said like Bellatrix or whatever he was one of those adamant followers where you had people like Lucius who just used it to stay on top yeah and everything so there was this whole different thing with Barty Crouch Jr. in the books where his dad is the one that actually broke you know what I remember that now and I used to love that part of the story I can't believe I forgot that because it got a lot more detail in Barty Crouch, and then, you know, and, and it's but the I'm timing so, would have been hard to do in a true. movie packed so full of. But stuff. it's a shame when you have somebody like Barty Crouch, and the fact that he, you know, he's such detailed, you know, he has such a detailed backstory. Not not even, not even, um, you know, McGonagall. We don't get a very big good backstory as much even as as Barty Crouch with McGonagall. Yeah. You don't get a backstory with McGonagall, no. which you I'm sure maybe they do a little bit, to. but it's not in the movies. Maybe they do more in the books or whatever with her. But. I mean, you do see her You do see her here in the newer movies, you know, in the, the Fantastic yeah. Beast movies. You do see her. She's not as tied to Voldemort and Harry as right. like Snape would be or whatever. She's she's with Dumbledore and everything, but she's not as tied to the story yeah. as, say, Snape or Barty yeah. would be. I mean, she's all about the kids, obviously. We both know that, that she she's there's she loves what she does and this is what she wants to be as a teacher and she yeah. till the day she dies you know and it's like what i think was crazy is that you get such a backstory and then you go and hire david tennant to be this character and not give him more than like three damn lines that's why i like this this movie though because it's david tennant he's a mysterious dead but look he wasn't david tennant back there he was just david tennant yeah. You know, he wasn't he, David Tennant. You know, he, yeah. he hadn't done the doctor yet. I know. You know, this was like did, right did before he did sent the doctor. With, it was, uh, I think it was through Facebook, but uh, it was with the doctor, or with David Tennant, and then the guy that plays uh, in Twilight, he plays the bad. They're in that show together. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. The Omens, Good yes. Omens, or whatever it's called. Yes, they're on that show together, and and he's messing with them. He's like, and Dave Tennant's like, I am the doctor. And then oh, the other yeah, guy's yeah, like, yeah. the other guy's like, not anymore. He's talking about how he's in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. He's like, you were in like two scenes and everything. Yeah, he's like, like I was lines. a doctor. And he's like, yeah. not anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just sitting that. there like, I'm like, that's exactly makes my whole point is that you don't give David Tennant. I mean, granted, even if he was just David Tennant back then, he's still a phenomenal actor. One of my favorites, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, they give him two lines the entire movie, essentially, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you end up, you know, I mean, not only was he the first to cast a dark mark. Yes. But it was the first time we actually got to see a dark mark, right? Yeah. And did you do you remember the scene that scene when he cast it? Yeah. And his face when he was looking up at it? Yeah. Yeah. I he, thought he was just nuts at the time until I remember the backstory. But if you look it. at his story, he just did an amazing job because he looked gleeful, right? Yeah. It was like a mixture of joy and relief because he, nor anyone, yeah. had seen 
that dark mark in the sky in a decade and a half. Yeah. And so he had this great expression of wonder, but also kind of like longing, like I haven't seen that in forever. Mm -hmm. And he just did such a great job in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the the movie did take a lot away a lot of the mysteries of the book, like who cast the dark mark, who did this. Who, you weren't supposed to know that Barty Crouch Jr. Because remember, as far as the Wizarding World is concerned, he died years ago in Azkaban. So yeah. that's why Dumbledore was so shocked. That's why Dumbledore didn't know what was going on, because from what he knew, because they yeah. assumed Barty Crouch Sr. was mm -hmm. honest, a good man, because mm -hmm. he sent his own son to prison. Well, he must be honest if he can send his own son to prison. Then he ended up secretly breaking him out. Nobody knew and keeping but him in hiding. I hate to say it. Yes, he, he's a, uh, he didn't actually kill the Longbottoms. He tortured them until they're insane, you know, and I'm not. But I mean, I'm sure he killed many but others. It's, when he it's was like death you get Barty Crouch Senior, and you know, okay, you, your dying wife has one last wish for your only child to not be in prison anymore. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, do you think you could be that person? Yeah. You know, do you think that you could do that? I'd be as a parent. I'd be. I'd. I'd take the fall for it. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um. So, basically, you know, Hogwarts starts. And they, you know, they skip the. You do the World Cup scene, Death Eaters attack. They start the school. I thought it was really cool to one not see like one class throughout the whole movie. It's all just about the tournament. Um, no, you do Snape's because remember he keeps shoving their heads down. No, I think that's study hall though. It look because it looks like they're in the Great Hall. You know, no, I don't they, know where, where they eat lunch and stuff. Yeah, because they're in the Great Hall. But, but and there's why, all why, kinds of I know, other people there. He's only going after them too. I don't think yeah, he's in the they, Great Hall. Yeah, because they're they're all in the the same grade and they go to class by grade. But you got the twins there and you got Angelina there and stuff. So I'm pretty sure that's some kind of Snape's watching study hall or something or whatever. Yeah, but he's but literally not doing anything to anybody. But besides, well, uh, that, of course he's like paces right behind Harry because he just wants. And that's what I love about it is because like he just wants to make Harry's life miserable. You know? Yeah, and he, he can't stand wrong. He can't stand Harry. He can't really stand Hermione either. But well, it, no. The thing is, is he can't be no because remember Hermione hands him a piece of paper. Yeah, because she she's like I was asked out and then hands him a paper. Yeah, she gave a, no. A, she a, gives a, him the journal. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's study hall, isn't it? No, oh, but I mean, it's still a class yeah. technically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so they have the one class. Sorry, I wasn't trying to like correct. No, no. I was just but like most that of up. it's like like the triwizard stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And you get to see. And I think in the book it shows what they're doing. They're all learning and stuff, but the movie makes it kind of look like that it's like, you know, like the other two schools got like the, the whole year off of schooling or whatever, yeah. but I guess they kind of just have to push those classes together. It never Very really confusing. Gets into yeah. It. yeah. A lot of that's just so confusing. Like if you sit down, you're like, man, there's so much stuff that's out of order here and so much stuff that doesn't really make any sense going together. And it's, but I mean, you know, you're, you're, that's what these kind of movies do. You know, it's like Lord of the Rings or any of these kind of movies where you just end up in getting into the, into the, the movie and not really even caring about like what critics do. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we get to one of my favorite scenes of all Harry Potter and that's the unforgivable curse class, uh, for the defense against the dark art. This is why I say that Moody slash junior is the, uh, the best defense against the dark arts teacher that we see in these movies because he actually teaches them some stuff. But first, which of you can tell me how many unforgivable curses there are? Three, sir. And they are so named? Because they are unforgivable. 
the use of any one of them will... We'll earn you a one-way ticket to Azkaban. Correct. Now, the minister says you're too young to see what these curses do. I say different. But, like, he kind of gets playful at it with it at the beginning, but then makes, like, a real <laughs> sharp turn to serious. He's like, yeah, yeah it's just fun, you know, making the spider do things. You want me to have it jump out the window? <laughs> you want me to have it drown itself? And then suddenly it just went down and dark from there, you know? Yeah. Scores of witches and wizards have claimed that they only did you-know-who's bidding under the influence of the imperious curse. But here's the rub. How do we sort out the liars? Especially Neville being affected by the uh, Cruciatus curse because that's what happened to his parents. Yep. And that's how they went insane. And, and what's sad is, it. is it the person that did it and to his parents. And what he doesn't know is that the teacher that's torturing the spider in front of him is the same person that tortured his parents to insanity. Crucio! Stop it! Can't you see it's bothering him? Stop it! And, and, you know, you, you kind of think there, there's kind of another little plot hole there, too, because it's like, you know, well, I guess somebody like Moody would know about the Longbottoms. Right. Because Moody was part of the the whole group against Voldemort. So I guess he would know, you know. Oh, he definitely. But that, that, that's a Longbottom right there, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? That kind of thing. You know, I think. But, I mean, he didn't make any mention of it. He, he did ask him if he knew, the you know, one of the curses or whatever. But And then he gave him the book afterwards. You know, yeah. it might have just been a tactic to say, hey, here's a book for you. And yeah. then, you know, he just needed that to tell. The genius of, of uh, Barty Barty, Car yeah. yeah so like, Crouch. oh, and if, if I do this, nobody will suspect why I'm giving Neville a yep. book. It was to make him feel better about the class that we just had. And because I think Dumbledore in the book, is, uh, Dumbledore actually gave uh, – uh, Moody permission to do the Moody Jr. permission to show the unforgivable curses because they're not supposed to see that until like the sixth grade or something yeah. like that. So, anyways, he uh, he does that and and it's just like one of those scenes you could see like Hermione, you could see how she's the only one that studied ahead because you're not supposed yeah. to see that until sixth grade, and so she's probably already read ahead to all that, mm -hmm. and so she knows it all. And you know, I'm sure some of the kids like Draco were waiting for it or whatever, but. She knows all the unforgivable curses that they're talking about. And then the last one we see, you know, it's the first time we actually see somebody get to do it and watch their face when they do it. You know, the Avada Kedavra. Yeah. And um, it's it's so cool to actually see that because then you see the green light and everything and you see Harry's face. Avada Kedavra. The killing curse. Only one person is known to have survived it. And he's sitting in this room. And that's when he looks at Harry and mm -hmm. sticks his tongue out at him. <laughs> I thought the whole tongue thing was stupid in the movie. I'm pretty sure that's not in the book. But anyways, yeah. he uh, and then he drinks his polyjuice potion, which people think he's probably just getting loaded all day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, uh, it couldn't have been in the book until like later because, you know, can you imagine like J.K. Rowling trying to talk about Moody who always slithers his tongue out like a snake you know how would you say that without saying it like that but i mean, you know I mean? especially in the, the 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 court scene you see that junior's doing it mm -hmm. people knows that he did it and then you see moody doing it that'd be weird mm -hmm. right but like i said nobody would suspect it because they stopped thinking of him years ago when they thought he was dead. Yeah. So he was not on anybody's mind. That was another genius part of it. Well, and maybe that's where he catch got, it. Maybe that's where he got it from. Is his dad, you know, had that genius idea or whatever. Well, remember his dad did catch the 
that too. Catch what? Um, Moody doing that oh. thing with his tongue. So what we don't know is that Moody actually convinced the Triwizard Bewitch the cup, uh, the the Goblet of Fire, uh, to that to make it think that four schools compete in the Triwizard Tournament, mm-hmm. and by putting Harry as the only student of that fourth school it made sure that he was picked. And so that's mm-hmm. how that worked. If, if you guys, I know it wasn't explained in the book, but if you're wondering why, how Moody was able to do that, he convinced the cup that, or the goblet of fire that, um, it was four schools instead of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, his name got picked and that's when you get the scene of all the, the champions that have been picked going back in Dumbledore's office or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you get the, all right, you put your name in the goblet of fire. You asked one of the oldest students to do it for you? No, sir. You're absolutely sure? Yes, sir. And he does that, but if you look at the book, it says, uh, you know, the the line is, uh, did you put your name in that goblet of fire? Dumbledore asked calmly. Yeah. <laughs> it exactly. specifically says, mm-hmm. asked calmly. And so that's why this, that's why Dumbledore was very off. He was yelling a lot in this movie. Quiet! Blah, blah, blah. He never did all the yelling that he did. But he's straight up, at, you know, he was so out of it this entire movie like he had no clue what was going on like i was saying earlier and then you know because i think he, he wouldn't ask that he would have been like okay this is just another thing that's happening to harry this year yeah. he you was know? busy i think with the tournament but uh, he was probably uh, also busy trying to keep an eye on the whole voldemort situation because snape he probably has snape real close by mm-hmm. snape's telling him like look dude look at my mark yeah. I, I know that he's coming back it's going to be any any day now mm-hmm. And everything, so they're probably watching out for that. Very nervous. They got the Tri Wizard. It probably helps Dumbledore knowing that there's a lot more magical people at Hogwarts this year, or whatever. But um, anyway, so he gets put into he gets uh, put into the, the the cup and gets selected. Um, but what would happen if Harry just didn't compete? I don't think it's explained, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that you just like die. Because now your name's in there, and if you don't do it, it's kind of like the, um, what is that, um, that binding thing that Snape does with uh, with Draco's mom, um, yeah. where you have to, what is it called? The, I won't murder your kids <laughs> thing. No, it's, uh, it's some kind of a, oh, br- unbreakable vow, that's what yeah. it's called. It's kind of like that, like if he breaks it, then he dies. Or whatever. So I think I, I think if you don't join this, then you, you probably just die. Or I something. just kind of feel like the, it. There was a way to break it. Like um, if Moody was the one that came up with, or actually, you know, Barty uh, Crouch. Dumbledore let up. it go. You know, if Dumbledore didn't think, if he thought that it was going to ruin the master plan to destroy Voldemort, I don't think he would have let Harry do it if he was able to. But he made him go through this, knowing that Harry could die mm-hmm. and knowing that he couldn't help. I think he had to do it. So that's that's the only reason I say that. But uh, afterwards, they meet Rita Skeeter. Um, you don't get much of her. You get much more of her in the book. Yeah. And there's a lot more of her finding out conversations that she shouldn't have been part of. And people are always wondering how she gets this information. Just to let she's you know. not a good person. No, but just to let you know if you don't know, it's not really addressed in the books. She's an Animagus, and she's mm-hmm. also unregistered, uh, just like Harry or just like Harry's dad and them. She's also unregistered, which is why nobody knows how she keeps doing what she's doing, and she can turn into a beetle. So yep. she basically turns into a bug and goes into the rooms and listens to people's conversation, mm-hmm. and that's how she's able to get the scoop on everybody. So 
If you were wondering, that's why. Okay, so that fireplace, whenever you, he's talking to Sirius to the fireplace, that's how it's supposed to look. It's described in the book mm-hmm. where Harry actually puts his face into the fire, and it's like it creates, and he can feel the warmth of the fire. Mm-hmm. It doesn't burn, but he can feel how uh, like very, very warm the warmth warm of Sirius on, on his neck. No, 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 like when you're putting your face through a fire. Mm-hmm. So, you sp- so it kind of makes a face in the fire. Whereas, like, later on, it's either done in Half-Blood Prince or Order of the Phoenix. It's kind of just like a, I don't know, just like a f- uh, an actual face floating above the mm-hmm. fire or something. Yeah. It just it looks not as good. So I think that visual, was, there's so many great visuals in this one. Um, he also says Sarah, uh, to Harry, keep your friends close. And, you know, Harry's not doing that because him and Ron aren't very good mm-hmm. right now. They start doing their uh, the Triwizard stuff. Um, obviously, Harry goes and... Uh, gets his broom because he's not really actually good at any magic, as we've known for the last few movies. But, but he's very good at flying. He's naturally good. He's I mean, very, and he's only good when he's fighting Voldemort. Well, or Dementors. And then he's really good. But anybody else, he sucks. I don't know. He beat Draco. That's what I'm saying. He could fight Lucius, and Lucius would beat him. But he could fight Voldemort, and Voldemort wouldn't be able to, just because of the nature of their. Of their, you know, I just think, and, and that's another that. thing I want to bring up too is that, you know, I don't think, I think J.K. Rowling the way she wrote it is he was supposed to be kind of naturally, but because of Voldemort, you know what I mean? Like, if you notice, Voldemort grew up, um, naturally gifted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Harry's mom also grew up naturally gifted, even though she was a Muggle, she was pretty gifted as a uh i mean she literally put a curse on on voldemort <laughs> you know what i mean like like i mean kind of through love i guess you could say that's the way it was explained More put a protection on yeah Harry, but yeah but was able the, to deflect from Voldemort's the most magic. powerful uh magician ever and literal killing curse yeah, lily basically because they say uh harry did it but really lily is the first yes. one to ever really stump voldemort yeah and and I don't even know if she was really knowing what she was doing. That's why I kind of want the point I'm trying to make is that maybe he's just gifted. Maybe Harry is just one of those wizards that grew up gifted. Yeah, a lot of it probably is like Voldemort. Yeah, but then she again, said that he lost a lot of it whenever he killed. Whenever he got just rid of magic in general. But I mean, it's still he he still went on to be an aura. He's very good at flying. Mm-hmm. He's very good at. Uh, like his dad um, Patronuses because like his dad well I mean because he's got his uh, um, he's got that happy memory mm-hmm. you know it's easy for him to get happy memories because he, he has a lot of darkness in his life mm-hmm. but um, I think Filch was great in this movie like you know I didn't like his comedy in Order of the Phoenix but the fact that he kept firing cannons really early like before Dumbledore was ready for him mm-hmm. to and the way he ran through the great hall with his knees up like uh, Henry made a, a comment that he was running like, like Jack, Jack Sparrow, Sparrow. Uh, yeah I saw I, that too I started laughing at that but every time he would launch the cannon and Dumbledore would just be like okay just go you know just like fine whatever same thing with McGonagall you know getting irritated with him too you know like she always is irritated with that dude it's like well like whenever he's like students out of bed and she's like they're supposed to be out of bed you blithering idiot (laughs) she says that but um I thought the uh, the scene with the dragon was great action I do think that it's cheating to leave the arena 
And that never happened in the book. They had the but, dragon stayed chained up. In right, the book. right. But I think how they got away with it is because he broke the chain. Technically, you wouldn't say it's the dragon's out of bounds because no, no, then no, you would have yeah, won automatically. Or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just say I like that scene because also none of the students have been there when Harry does all his things for the last few yeah. movies. This is their first chance to really see him in action. Yeah. And he's, just as usual, he's not really that good, you know? It's like, he is skin of He's his- not that bad, though. I mean, you, you can say he's not that good, but he survives every time. Right. There's but- people that die just constantly. No, I know. They, they say that you can die. I don't know that they said actually anybody has died from this, but... I mean, there are people in his level, in his grade, that are much better than him in magic. And it's been stated that way. Like, Harry's nothing, like, crazy special with magic. He's certain he's powerful in certain situations, like against Voldemort, for one, because of their, because he's got Voldemort in him and everything. But I have to disagree. I, I'm, I'm of the belief that I kind of feel like Harry is talented because... Naturally is what I'm getting at because and certain it, it, things. It, it, yeah, but here's the like, thing. But even somebody like Hermione, who is like the biggest narcissist in the whole movie, okay. But thinking that she, you know, knowing that she's better than <laughs> everybody think, else. I don't think Hermione is a narcissist. What are you talking about? Well, like she's just, she is good. She OCD. doesn't ever. She just not like she's ever like I'm the best ever. Well, no, but she considers herself better than Ron. You know, I mean, she states it all the time. Right. Better but than Ron and Harry. consider themselves better than anybody no matter what. She has a reason to know that she's yeah. better because she is better. Okay. But either way, <laughs> I, I just feel like if she, because of the way she is, she would let it be known that Harry's not that good at magic. She says it about Ron all the time, but she never mentions it really about Harry so much. He kind of, she calls him kind of like lazy, you know, sometimes, but in all reality, she, she always respects him for his talents as well. I mean, even when, when, like Order of the Phoenix, especially when, you know, she is one of the ones, main ones convincing him to teach her. Right. But then he also tells them all that he's like, look, most of it was luck. I had help pretty much most of the time. And everything. So my point is, is that most of these kids were, were have heard stories about Harry facing Quirrell and Voldemort, facing the Chamber of Secrets, the Basilisk, Tom Riddle, and a Haunted Diary, facing a werewolf and Sirius Black. Because most, you are hearing yourself most, saying all this. Most stuff, people right? <laughs> listen. Most people don't know that Sirius Black was a good guy. So facing yeah. Sirius Black, facing the werewolf and everything, they've heard these stories. Mm-hmm. But what they don't know is that. Harry didn't do anything against Quirrell. He just stood there, and Quirrell grabbed his face and melted away. Harry didn't pull out his wand or anything during that last part. Yeah, but he Never touched did. him. He he could have been so stupid After and he not got lucky. touched and saw that he was doing it. He goes, oh, that works, and then just went like that. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's not that's not pulling out his wand and getting into a fight. In we, Chamber we can of agree Secrets, to disagree on this one. In Chamber of Secrets, he never used his wand either because Tom Riddle took it immediately from him whenever he knelt down with Ginny. And then mm-hmm. he was just running from the Basilisk. Now, he did have a sword, but that was more about, like, the bravery of it. And tell me that wasn't luck. He had Dumbledore's Phoenix bring him to him. He had the, the hat help him out. Mm-hmm. He was going to die anyways. And then the Phoenix saved his life. In the third one, there was time travel and Hermione... You know, he just he. It's not like he did a lot of crazy things. I don't think Harry's bad. I think that he he's pretty good at magic and everything. But he's nowhere near like what his dad was in school. Yeah, you know, or something like that. Like I said, we'll agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> I disagree okay, wholeheartedly. But, but here's what I'm saying: is that all those kids heard that right, and mm-hmm. now they're seeing him fight this dragon. 
he's like barely pulled out his wand he's just really running away from the fire being breathed at him he's not shooting any wands at him and all he does is and then he quickly hides again and then he gets his broom but that's what harry is all about harry's not about the defense if he's like we talked about like a jedi he's all about he i'm sorry he's not about the offense if he's about the defensive right Mm -hmm. he would rather run and then you know get a chance to you know take him out some other way or whatever that's why whenever they're shooting spells at each other it's Voldemort who's using the killing curse and Harry who's just trying to disarm using the disarming curse or whatever so um just kind of cool how they're kind of like uh yeah it's not what I thought Harry would be like um did you like the uh the ball the Yule ball I thought it was a waste of time. I thought that they like they had to have it in there, right? Because it was a huge part of the book. But I thought like the whole build up montage of them trying to figure out how to ask people out on dates and how they everything like that. Yes, it's kind of stupid drama because it's like oh, it's teen stuff and teen hormones and everything. But I thought he did a pretty good job of building it all up. Um, you know about how Maggie Smith as McGonagall, her kind of excitement at the ball because she's just like, "Okay, you're all ready," and pushing her up, and she's like looking at Ron and like looking at his weird clothes. It's like her reaction to Ron's outfit. That that part just made me laugh. The way she was like, she just seemed flustered because she's trying to give out all this information, but then it's kind of like does a double <laughs> double take at Ron. It's like, all right, well, you better go in. You know, just you know, like, you know what I think should have happened what? with Harry. He should have said, screwed it, and not asked anybody. Went by himself. Well, I thought it was sad for the Patil twins, you know, because they're like the last place option. Like, they haven't gotten a date, right? And yeah, Harry's one just of like, going well, with- we can't find anywhere else. Do you want to go with me and my friend? You too? Yeah. He's like but- asking them two out as a yeah. couple. But, but you know, one of them gets to go to the ball with one of the main four competitors of the the other one, the other one, and the other one wrong, gets but, to you know. get with the one that you know everybody. I'm sorry if I was Harry, I'd be looking right at Hermione and say, "Hey, Ronnie, you want to go? Cool, cool." You know, that could have changed the whole. Ooh, Ron would, Ron would have never forgiven Harry. Harry knew not to cross that line with Hermione. Right. Just even if he was friends, knowing how Ron would take it. But you know, even the author has said stated that that shouldn't have happened anyways well she has stated that they shouldn't be together i don't know if she ever said that harry and hermione should be together she just came out she said that that she ron and hermione shouldn't have been together because they would have to been counseling for the rest of their lives (laughs) i just thought it was sad for the twins because they just didn't have anybody in it hi harry hi harry the whole movie like i said i'm sorry i'd be looking right at hermione and be like yep you know and I, then I felt. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, that was just it. I was like, they're idiots. They're no. both idiots. But granted, but in I the will book, say, she's supposed to be not a very attractive human being. No, she's she's. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, not to be mean to anybody, but yeah, bushy yeah. hair and buck teeth and all this kind of. And they, yeah, she'd always they always describe her as just very plain. Yeah, and everything. But you know, the director kind of piggybacking on what you said, not knowing the books very well. Yeah, it felt like to me, and tell me if you agree that it looked like he was setting up some foreshadowing for yeah. Harry and Hermione. Yeah. Because he was having them, you know, that do that hug at the, uh, you know, right before they go do the dragon. And uh, you and can the say, dan- oh, it's the dancing. Just, yeah, oh, it's just friend stuff. Okay, well, when you have... You know, her hugging him like she did, like like he's about to die. You know, it just kind of seemed, and even Rita Skeeter tried to make it seem like a romantic thing. Yeah. Um, whenever he looked up and said... Um, 
Oh, you know, and she even held his hand after that, and they're holding hands. I, I think in a way, I think in a way, I mean, obviously it's not the way it was written in the books, but in the way, you know, to me, it, I felt like, you know, well, I don't know, maybe even in the books, if you think about it, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing on it, but, you know, I felt like, you know, Hermione mu- might have liked Harry at some point, like actually was into Harry as well as Ron. I don't know, I, may, and maybe that's like crossing over. Like, okay, well, they're just such good friends that maybe she's going to have a little bit of that attraction. But there's a little them, bit much that she always veers. But yeah, I mean, they did show like, like you know, when she like peeked down there to, and she's wearing her dress and everything, and then the one twin was like, "Oh, she looks beautiful," and of course Harry's looking at Cho, and it's like, yeah. But then you look up, and it does show like this weird look on Harry's face. Like, mm-hmm. it is not just like, oh, he's friend that he thinks she's beautiful. It, it just like looked like it was kind of, and there was one other instance I can't really remember, where it just felt like they were kind of like at least he was trying to foreshadow it a little bit, like he thought yeah. maybe that's what they were gonna go for or whatever. Which, which is so ironic too. That being said, Ron was very irritated. Yeah, the whole he was movie. exactly. He's like, oh, tell him I'm not talking to him anymore because I think that he called other interviews. I mean, it's pure jealousy. It's like you can't look at it any any other way. Nobody could tell you any differently. It was pure jealousy that, you know, if he knew, if he was that good of friends with Harry like he should have been, he should have understood this is not who Harry is. Yeah. You know, he shouldn't be acting like that. And the fact that, you know, J.K. Rowling tries to write Hermione, these are two things that don't make sense, tries to make Hermione being, you know, not attractive, plain, whatever, but yet she's the most attractive person in the entire school. Well, and that remember that's why she wasn't sure about Emma Watson's mm-hmm. casting is because she was too pretty or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um but just using her attitude to make her unlikable because yeah. you know which she's was the, great or whatever. was great. Yeah, but I mean Hermione and Ron have such a great scene of a, you know, of a blow up. Mm-hmm. And it's completely obvious why they're blowing up to everybody else, except for them, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Harry could see it as well. But I thought that was, scene was done very well, just just capturing that age of 13, 14-year-old kids who are starting to like each other, but now these two are both jealous of each other, mm-hmm. and they just get into this knockdown drag out fight and I felt really bad for Hermione because you could see, like, she was having such a good time, and then Ron just brought her crashing back down. But I mean, it was such a good scene. Like, like that's it felt very realistic of how that might go if you had that type of situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah. So the Yule Ball was was great. Um, we got to see a little bit of Neville, mm-hmm. and that was kind of cool. Um, Who was his date? I think it was Ginny. Didn't because I'm pretty sure that we I saw him dancing with Ginny when they were at the dance and everything. Okay. And, you know, it was before Jenny got into, like, Dean Thomas and those people and everything. But who was LaFleur with? Uh, LaFleur, I think she was probably just with just a random like, like person. Like, you never saw the face. You see black hair, but then you don't really yeah. ever see the face. I mean, as you, we know, it was you know who she ends up marrying and all yeah. that stuff. It was so. either somebody from Hogwarts or Durmstrang because it was an all-girls school. Yeah, which is so ironic because, like, you know, she kisses uh, Ron and then, you know, you said my sister, but he always he had a end, crush on her. I know he always had a crush on her, but then you end up finding out that she ends up becoming his yeah. his sister in law. Anyways, really weird. She becomes a Weasley. Yeah, you know? and he was. I think it mentioned in a later book that he was really weirded out because he had such a bad crush on her. Back yeah, in book four. This is the Ron that I don't like. 
the most in, mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's very unlikable. He's, I'm with you on this. He's a very lazy person at the beginning, you know, just wants to go back to bed, which is hilarious. Yeah. But not um, the hero that we've seen before. Nope. He's pissed off at Harry for a stupid reason. You know, it's like, oh, well, you didn't tell me about it. And it's like, well, you should have known that you should know Harry by now. And he even makes an excuse later on. He's like, well, I wasn't the only one. And every time I watch the movie, I talk out loud to it. And I'm like, yeah, but you were his best friend. You were supposed to be the one that stuck by, yeah. stuck by him. And well, Hermione's the one that stuck by him. So she was actually yep. being a better best yep. friend than yep. to Harry. Than, and she, she doesn't, it. like, it's always funny because every time she yells at Ron, it's almost like she, you know, she's yelling at Harry for something too. But, you know, it's always like they both get yelled at each other together you know what i mean like she never really yells at him separately so it was like half the time i i I seem to remember like i was like man yeah harry used to just get on her nerves all the time and and you know make her mad all the time and then i watch these movies i'm like no harry doesn't really do anything to hermione to make her mad at all whenever they're like fighting usually harry's kind of just quiet and just kind of like fiddling with something or and she starts yelling at him too you know for 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 ron yeah like usually she's like no you boys go to bed and he's like okay i guess we're going to bed now because when she said that (laughs) yeah henry's like okay mom (laughs) yeah but you know i think my funny the funniest thing is is that when you see that harry and uh ron like make up you know it's like i reckon you have to be barking mad to put your own name in the goblet of fire come on have you too long enough wasn't anyone who thought you'd done it everyone was saying it behind your back brilliant that makes me feel loads better at least i warned you about the dragons hagrid warned me about the dragons no 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 i did no i don't remember I told Hermione to tell you that Seamus told me that Bavardi told Dean that Hagrid was looking for you. Seamus never actually told me anything, so it was, it was really me all along. I thought we'd be all right, you know, after you figured that out. Who, who could possibly figure that out? That's completely mental. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I suppose I was a bit distraught. Boys, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like she. But me, me, and my wife. Had if we this were watching girls though, and watch how they did things. Like we just girls, be, well, no. Yeah. That's the thing is that girls those hook grudges mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Guys, I you know it's probably different nowadays. But I mean, it used to be like you just go and throw a few punches. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and then you just make up at, and then like your best friends after. I don't yeah. know somebody. A couple fights I've gotten into my life. I ended up being really good friends with the person afterwards. Yeah. And it's so weird because uh, women they can have a tiny little fight. And they will hold that grudge until you say, bro. I'm just they will saying hold right that now. grudge until <laughs> they're in the ground. Just be careful. Just saying. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say because me and my wife. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. Is me and my wife had this conversation before, and it was like, you know, talking about how girls. It takes a lot for them to get over things. Where guys, like you said, we duke it out and then we're good. Yeah, you know, we're we're good. And we don't really hold grudges so much, but it was like, you know, my wife agreed, you know, she was like, yeah, that's how women are, you know, and yeah. that's how they treat other women. They're brutal, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yes, you know, guys, not really brutal. They, I mean, they're, they could be bullies and stuff as like masculine that. Masculine as, and scary as guys can be when they're angry or when they're fighting mm-hmm. or whatever. When you watch not even a girl, like a physical fight or whatever, but when you watch females getting into it and the, and the the I'm talking not talking about like I said the physical stuff the stuff that takes days, you know the scheming the plan mm-hmm. planning the plotting the 
the psychology that goes behind it. Well, yeah. I'm going to do this because this person, sometimes they'll even stay friends so they can do this, this, and that. I'm just like, <laughs> this is a little too much. <laughs> I'm getting a little worried about this. Right. But, um, okay, so then uh, then they go through the um, the scene in the maze. You know, they've, they've finished their second task. And Harry did a very good job, and Dumbledore's helping him cheat through the tournament by mm-hmm. giving him a higher place because he didn't leave somebody behind, even yeah. though that wasn't the task. Yeah. You know, he should have gotten disqualified or something for grabbing somebody else. But yeah. anyways. Um, but then she thanked him like like it was if Harry didn't do that, she would have died. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that they were okay that just because they lost doesn't mean that somebody else has to die. Right. It's like, it seemed kind of a little bit much at that point. Now, if there was stakes of like, but Harry did, they die. Yeah. But it, well, yeah, he got the benefit of the kiss and so did uh, Ron, you know, and he got second place after that too. End up getting tied for the- If I was Crumb, I'd be like, this is is a bunch of Or Or Floor. If I was Floor or Victor, I'd be like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. uh, Well, she did kind of like, she didn't make it, you know. Yeah. And well, if you notice, because like there's three different things used there. You know, you had the gillywood. Gillyweed. Gillyweed. Then you had the shark thing that Crumb was. And then, you know. Um, Whatever the little. Cedric and. Remember he? You remember those like the, the like the Indian belly dancers? They have those yeah. little things, the little sheath that yeah. kind of comes around their face. That's what yeah. it looks like he had. Yeah. One of those things. Uh, Crumb had the shark. I did LaFleur. Cedric and LaFleur had the same thing. They had the bubble. Oh, okay. I thought uh, was that a bubble? Mm-hmm. Okay, it looked like the other. But uh, so nobody had the gillyweed except for Harry, Harry, right? And the other one, that shark. So, Which, in all essentially speaking, that was probably the best one. That was the best the tool. Yes. Oh yeah, because I mean, not only did it give you gills and allow you to breathe, yeah. but it also made your hands and feet into like fins to where you could actually swim. Better. Yeah, and then people but were like, "Oh man, Longbottom's really smart." No, it's crowdy. <laughs> well, and it's not even uh, Longbottom, but like Crumb. Crouch. Crumb, he uh, he got a shark head, which allowed him to breathe, but he still had normal hands and legs. I know, so I was so like, weird. how is he swimming? And Henry again pointed that out, too. He's like, yeah, but how does he swim so fast? That's yeah. why Harry had the best. But in the book, it wasn't Neville who did that. So yeah. Moody got Neville to, you know, gave him the book and all this kind of stuff. But in the, bu- in the book, gave it to Harry to Harry was very prideful about doing things himself. Yeah. So he actually he actually kind of put a wrench into junior's plan because junior was trying to help harry but whenever harry realized he was getting help he rejected it he's like no i have to do this by myself Mm -hmm. so moody had to find some certain ways to do that but he took advantage of dobby so we have another movie that dobby's in that That he's not not actually in the uh, yeah, yeah sorry another story where dobby's in the book but not the movie right um, and what happened was, is he called Dobby into like the teacher's lounge or something, but then got into a conversation with McGonagall about Gillyweed, making sure that Dobby heard it. And Dobby is the one that uh, went and broke into Snape's yeah. uh, supply and mm-hmm. got the Gillyweed for Harry and gave it mm-hmm. to him instead. And not not Neville, but you know they're trying to build up Neville. And Dobby cost money for CGI, and I'm so pretty why, sure that why, they wasted know, their budget. And you also think that Snape, you know, because Snape thinks basically Harry's a, a super idiot. He's basically his. He, he thinks he, he's James all over he's again. He's James all over again, except for some of his looks where he just, it always brings back, you know, but the he, fact he, that it, that's his daughter. And, uh, and Harry's obviously a lot better than James, but no matter how much mm-hmm. he's got Lily in him or how much better than James he is, it doesn't matter to Snape. He sees how much he, you know, all he, because Harry looks exactly like James. So when he sees him, he just sees James. I don't care how good you, 
Dumbledore, you think Harry is, or this person? Nope, he's James, and he's an egomaniac. If you were Snape, and you know all the right things were getting stolen from your cabinet or your storage closet, gillyweed yeah, for polyjuice potions. Yeah, you you would think you were like, man, whoever keeps doing this is an extremely advanced wizard, and then he keeps on thinking it's Harry, finding out it's Harry. It's like you would think he'd be like, okay, this kid's probably a lot smarter than I give him credit for, you know. But he's he doesn't ever. He just still thinks he's an idiot. It's well, like Harry never did it. Uh, well, I, I know that, but what I'm saying is that's what Snape thought. Yeah, you know? I know. But then he's just like, uh, he's like, okay, well, it was Dobby who did the gillyweed. Yeah. It was Junior who got the stuff for the polyjuice uh-huh. potion. Uh, the first time it was Hermione who got the yep. stuff for polyjuice yeah. potion. You know, so really Harry's never. Re- yeah, you know, we can get into that. Yeah. We talk about that to her. But I just think it's funny that Snape, Snape thinks still thinks he's an idiot. But even though he he's. I think you know that he Harry's wants the one to that does think it that he's an idiot, but he keeps getting proven wrong. And I think Dumbledore's kind of like, like, look, you know, and he just can't see through his head. Yeah. Yeah. Both his parents were very powerful wizard, and you know, whether it be Harry's connection with Voldemort or his mother, you know, something stopped Voldemort that night. You know, that they even say it in those words: something stopped him that night. Yeah. Um, so basically, real quick. Um, Right after the second task, uh, Barty Crouch Sr. is found dead. And he, you know, I like Barty Crouch. That sucked that he died. It does because he was a good person and everything. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he was stern and he was unforgiving and everything. But I mean, that was his job. And he even did what he was supposed to with his son before guilt got the best of him. And he, you know, did what he wasn't really legally supposed to do. But I kind of feel that, like, if he was still alive during the time of, you know, when Voldemort really does come back and takes over the government and stuff, I kind of feel like he would be, it's something that Voldemort needed probably Junior to do is to kill his father because his father was, him and him and Dumbledore, it, they were very on good terms. Like they, all the other ministries of, you know, representatives from Ministry of Magic and stuff like that, Dumbledore never really got along with, but Barty Crouch. Well, in the movie... Um, Barty saw the tongue thing and it was kind of like what clue, clued him in. Yeah. And after that, Junior saw that he saw that mm-hmm. and was like, okay, well, I got to kill him now. Yeah. In the book, uh, Barty Crouch wasn't at Hogwarts doing this whole Triwizard yeah. thing. Yeah. He was at home because when Barty Crouch finally escaped, it was Voldemort and Wormtail that came and freed Barty yeah. from his Imperious curse or whatever. Yeah. And they Imperious Barty Sr., to stay at home and not tell anybody what they had done, basically. Yeah. I don't know why they can kill him, or at least that would probably draw attention or whatever. But, um, and so when eventually Senior came out of the curse, the Imperious curse, yeah. he went and was on his way to Hogwarts to tell Dumbledore what had happened that he, yeah. that it was his son, Junior, and that he had been hiding him and that he was been helping Voldemort, all this kind of stuff. But before he could, um, Voldemort got a hold of Junior and said, hey, your dad's coming. You need to take care of it, you know, like yeah. on a phone or whatever. And so Barty found his dad. Junior found his dad and killed him. But then he transfigured him into a bone and he buried him in front of Hagrid's hut. It's like gangster. Uh, <laughs> so nobody even knew what happened yeah. to Senior or whatever. But it's just kind of, to me, it feels like, you know, movie-wise speaking, you know, if if he was still alive in the later movies, I feel like he would be. They would have to try to get rid of him anyways, because I mean, he kind of seemed like besides well, yeah. besides the son. And he knew whole what thing, was going he, on. Yeah, exactly. He knew because remember, Voldemort came and attacked them, mm-hmm. and so at that point, he knew that Voldemort was back. Yeah. Um. So we go to what's essentially 
could be my favorite scene of the whole series and that's the scene in the graveyard when Voldemort comes back yeah because we get to see Tom Riddle's grave uh, Tom Riddle senior that is and the whole little Hangleton that we get to find out more about in the in the Half-Blood Prince book but not in the movie because yeah. they don't talk about Voldemort's past but we get to see um, him in the graveyard. We get to see Wormtail again. He's back. He's got Voldemort. Voldemort comes back into his body. Voldemort's never looked better. He eventually does switch to, you know, he switches to human eyes. But when he first opens his eyes and you can hear him pop open and everything, they're like snake eyes until they kind of fade into the real eyes. And he looks so slimy and so sleek and skinny and everything. And um, he just looks like he was kind of described in the book. I yeah. mean, there's there's some Except things without that are the different. red eyes. Doesn't obviously. have the red eyes and a couple other things and everything. But he looked way better than he did in the other books. In the other yeah. books, it felt to me just like a guy in a costume, yeah. you know, doing the thing or whatever. But it felt the way he, you know, like puts his head on his or his hands on his yeah. head and like his feeling. It's like well, we got to give like, credit to Ralph Fiennes on this one. Yeah, for Ray, sure. Ray Fiennes is like he he the way he he figured this guy hasn't been in his body for over a decade and the way he puts his hands on his head like he's feeling his body for the first time he's like oh i can feel my head yeah i can feel my neck now i'm gonna pop my eyes open i can see and everything so you know before he was just a i mean spirit. does anybody really do villains better than ray fines no i mean i, I mean was, Schindler, i've been watching schindler's a, list i've been watching I mean, a few things as him as amon got yeah and then also uh good yeah, and then, you know, Voldemort obviously is one of the greatest villains of all time, you know, and then you got you got him in uh what was it, the Silence of the Lambs, right? Uh well, it was the um the dragon one. The dragon one, yeah. Whatever it's called. Red Dragon. Yeah, I mean that was a great movie. But it was just it's crazy because Do you see? Remember? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Do you see? see? Yeah. And he I see Phil, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. He's like, I don't wanna see. That but that's that's what I'm saying, it's like does anybody do villains better than him? And no. from what I from what I hear, he does you know, some pretty good comedy too. He does, but from what I hear, I hear he's just like the nicest guy ever. You yeah. know what I mean? But he plays villains so well. He's he's very very character. Uh, he's he's a very uh, uh, what do they call him? Like character uh, actor. Yeah, like um, Daniel Day Lewis. You know things like that. You know he. Uh, what method actor, I guess, or what? what I don't know he, if he does method. I don't think he does method acting. Not method, method but, acting uh, is, is when you're you you're you become that character and you refuse to break character even when you're not. Well, you know, like, Ray Fiennes, yeah, okay, I could see that. He's not like that. I mean, definitely Daniel Day Lewis is like that. Oh, but yeah. uh, and, and to a he's point known for where it. it gets it irks people. Yeah, but I mean, I just feel like he's kind of like that kind of actor. Yeah, uh, you you could put Ray Fiennes in that that category. I think. Yeah, you know. You know uh, Robert Pattinson, since he was in this movie, he's he, he basically said that method actors are douchebags yeah. because he's like it makes everybody on set feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It stresses everybody out. Yeah. Sometimes it can affect the other the other characters' performance, the other yep. actors' performance. I it, get that. I do. Yeah, it would probably mess me up too. They they don't know how to define a line. They don't know how to how to. It's called acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't become the person. Just yeah. act. We know that you're not Abraham Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis. Same thing when Christian Bale fell asleep so he could wake up before that scene where yeah, he was he's, supposed to just Yeah, because he wants up. to be a method actor. Yeah. He's really not. And he's just a douche. Michael Caine's like, have you ever tried acting? <laughs> I just thought that was such a great scene. But um, I love how all the Death Eaters come back and, you know, uh, Voldemort calls him out for never coming looking for him. In the book, he mentions certain people. 
but he calls them one who this, one who that. You know, it's basically there's one who may be gone forever, and it makes him sad. And you, you, and pretty much it's confirmed that he's talking about Snape because Snape yeah. didn't come back whenever Voldemort came back. Well, because he's a fellow genius, and but he, know, yeah, he understands but, that. But then, what a lot of people don't know is that um, later that night, after they figured out the whole junior, uh, junior is moody thing, Voldemort told or well, Dumbledore told Snape, "You need to go, go meet up with him, because if you wait too long, it's, this is not going to work." So that night. Snape actually went and met with Voldemort and had yeah. to explain to Voldemort the reason I didn't come is because I was hoping you'd be back but I had to place myself next to your greatest enemy Dumbledore he trusts me more than anybody right now that's what I can offer to you yeah. and that's why I didn't come back is because it would be too it would be apparent to Dumbledore then what I was up to so and of course uh, uh, Snape is the greatest Oculumens in Harry Potter that we've seen. He and what that means is like you have you can't, le- you can't read his mind no matter what. You have Legilimens, which is basically Voldemort's kind of the best at that, and that's being able to read somebody's mind. Yeah, Oculumency is being able to block people from reading. Your and that's mind. why he teaches Harry. <laughs> and he was the one teaching to. Harry next <laughs> next movie, but. They even said because of the undercover work that he had to do and the fact that Voldemort would probably be constantly reading his mind or trying to read his mind to see if he was Dumbledore's yeah. man or his man yeah. or whatever. And the fact that Voldemort still there at the end just trusted Snape more than why anybody. Do you think, why do you think Snape shows was how like good that. Snape was? Yeah, why do you think Snape was naturally that good? Like, I don't think, I don't feel like he didn't train I don't feel like he trained to be that good. I felt like he was, it was one of those natural gifts. And I kind of feel like it was because he was so quiet and he was such an introvert that he didn't, he didn't want people to be able to read what he's actually thinking about them, you know, because he's judging everyone. Well, not only that, but he doesn't want people to, he's always lived a dangerous life in his adult life because before he, before Voldemort got browned down the first time, he was working for, for Dumbledore. So there was some time that he already had to start doing that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that is blocking people how they, you know, so that like somebody like Lily couldn't see how he really felt. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's what I'm talking about. Somebody like James couldn't see how much he was in love with her. Or see how much he was embarrassed by this or that. He didn't want Mm -hmm. anybody to see him as weak. So he didn't want anybody in his mind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to guard my mind as best as I can. And he ended up doing it so well that Voldemort being as good as Voldemort was, Voldemort could read anybody's mind except for maybe Dumbledore. He could read anybody's mind no matter what. Well, no, except I th- for Snape. I think he could have read Dumbledore's mind. That's maybe. why I think he used the pensive to take out his thoughts and his stuff to put him away. But you still have no, you still have the memory though. Whenever you take those the, the yeah, memories but, out, they're still in your yeah, head. Maybe. But this just shows it to where you can see it visually. Yeah. But you could be right. He could he could maybe he could read Dumbledore's and Dumbledore could read his mind. But nobody is better at alchemy than Snape. And it shows because he would have been killed like that yeah. if Voldemort ever figured out what they're what they were up to. So Yeah and, and you know, granted the only reason that Snape did end up losing to Voldemort was because he let his guard down, you know, uh, uh, well, yeah. around Nimi or what's her name? Um, it, they were counting on the fact that that Voldemort trusted him. And let's not get too much into it. Yeah. We're getting, but they were counting on the fact that Voldemort trusted him and would always want him around. But it just happened to 
you know, the, the, the chain of events that happened or whatever just happened to be that Voldemort thought he needed to kill Snape to use the wand. Yeah, that's but true. But what he didn't know is that it was Malfoy's wand mm-hmm. and not Snape's. And if you guys are listening, <laughs> don't worry. We'll make that more apparent as we mm-hmm. go. But, um, yeah, so that's what happened at this. He had mentioned a few people. One of them was Barty, who he considered uh, his most loyal. and But he knew why he wasn't there because he had to stay at Hogwarts as Moody. Um, he, I think he was, uh, he talked about one or two others that was extremely loyal that were in Azkaban. And I'm pretty sure that was, uh, Bellatrix, uh, but also Rodolphus. Yeah. And, and that's the werewolf one, right? No, no, no. That's, uh, I can't remember uh, what was his name. Um, I can't remember, but, uh, Adolphus was, I believe Bellatrix's husband. And he was one of these very adamant followers of Voldemort yeah. as well. And they were, uh, they were, but, but the most, most loyal, of all, as far as considered by Voldemort, was Barty. Now, that changes to Snape after Barty dies. Yeah. Uh, when Snape tells Voldemort, Voldemort's a little suspicious, but then he starts seeing what he's doing, and then, of course, Snape kills. Anyways, um, but yeah, so that's what happened. You know, he's talking about the people that didn't come. Um, he talked about these people, these Death Eaters that came right away, he's like Lucius. Lucius and all that, yeah. These are the same people that were throwing up, you know, making a, a, a causing a riot and chaos at the World Cup. Yeah, because they missed the old days. But nobody, as soon as Barty put that dark mark in the air, what happened in the books is that the other Death Eaters disapparated out of there. It scared them so bad because they thought it was Voldemort mm-hmm. that they got the hell out of there. So that shows you, like, the followers are mainly out of fear, which Voldemort hates. He wants loyalty. He wants, uh, and that's what he told the Wormtail. Wormtail's like, well, I came back. He's like, out of fear, not loyalty. Yeah, but I, I kind of feel like Wormtail, he didn't, I, I don't think he gave Worm, Wormtail enough props. But he did say, but you have served your purpose. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, because Wormtail could have seriously, like, from Voldemort. he could have changed back, you know, to Wormtail, and he knows enough magic where he could probably literally change the way he looks. And then go live his life, but he chose to bring back Voldemort, or to help and assist on bringing back It's the only thing he had left. Now that Sirius was back, and Lupin was there, and now that the whole thing is out, he genuinely had no place to go. He could just turn back into a rat and gone and lived in China or, Mm -hmm. you know, Eastern Europe or something like that. I think they eat those there. (laughs) But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He could have just turned into something and, and just disappeared. But, you know, Wormtail wants to go who with who's most powerful. He knew that was Voldemort, and he knew that he he was supposed to be dead, so he had to go in hiding now. Now Voldemort's back, you know. Yeah. And, and actually, Wormtail went looking for Voldemort whenever yeah. he left uh, Hogwarts' last movie or whatever. But yeah. there's one more thing that I want to explain, and that's the most important thing that happens in all of the movies or all of the stories in defeating Voldemort happens in this movie and happens in this story. The most important tipping point of this war, of this fight against Voldemort to defeat Voldemort is how he's brought back. And how he's brought back was thought so ingenious by Voldemort that he didn't even stop to consider the implications of it. Okay? Now, one thing Voldemort did not know is that Harry has a horcrux inside of him of Voldemort. Excuse me. Um, 
So he didn't know that. And as far as we know from now, uh, we've been heard, we've we've heard it explained as when Voldemort tried to kill you, he transferred a bit of his power into mm-hmm. you. That's what Dumbledore told Harry in the first movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a Horcruxes soon, but just know that Harry has one inside of him. And what Voldemort did to come back, because he the, he had that that uh, that initial curse whenever Harry was a baby, bounced off of him and ki- and killed or destroyed Voldemort's body. Um, he knew that now that the protection that Lily gave was in Harry's blood. The boy who lived. How lies have fed your legend, Harry. Shall I reveal what really happened that night 13 years ago? Shall I divulge how I truly lost my powers? It was love. You see, when dear sweet Lily Potter gave her life for her only son, she provided the ultimate protection. I could not touch him. It was old magic, something I should have foreseen. But no matter, no matter, things have changed. I can touch you now. Astonishing what a few drops of your blood will do. Pick up your one, Potter. I said pick it up. Get up, get up. You've been taught how to duel, I presume, yes? First, we bow to each other. Come on now, Harry, the niceties must be observed. Dumbledore wouldn't want you to forget your manners, would he? I said bow. When he does that, he thought it was so genius. He decided to tell Harry. You know, it had the uh, the flesh of a servant, the bone of the father, and the blood of the enemy. You know, and then the Dark Lord returned. Um, now, when Harry and the shows in the book, when Harry gets back to Hogwarts, he explains to Voldemort. To I keep saying this, he explains to Dumbledore everything that happened. And when he told Dumbledore that Voldemort used Harry's blood to come back. Voldemort or Dumbledore smiled. He smiled in that moment and you don't know why yet, but in that moment, Harry noticed that it almost seemed like Dumbledore was relieved that that happened. And we'll get in later into why that, into why he's relieved and excited about that. But Voldemort using Harry's blood to come back into his own body is going to be very, 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 very important. And the only thing that um, that is gives us the possibility of happy of having having the happy ending that we want. So, anyways, um, where did Voldemort's body come from? By the way, the frail. Well, thing. The, the the little small one. Apparently, they he had he knew some magic and he had uh, Wormtail help him with it. I'm not sure if he possess. There's a rumor that he might have possessed like a child's body or something like I mean, that. He almost looked like a um, house elf kind of. Yeah, and like if a it's the same elf. thing you see in the the the. The certain scene yeah, in in yeah in Deathly Hallows, it's the same looking thing, yeah, right. So it may just be some kind of a um, like a test tube type of experiment. You do it with potions or something, and you're just making this flesh thing that won't sustain anybody for long, but for as long as he needs it to. I know what it is. Remember those toys that you just take in the package and you pour water over and it just expands. 
Maybe that's what Wormtail did. Just poured water like shrinky over Shrinky dinks? Yeah, something like that. You pour it over water. It's like this oh, small. Yeah. You pour water on it and it expands. What are those it's little, little seahorse things yeah. that are in that are in water that you do mm-hmm. with those and they get bigger? Mm-hmm. I can't remember what they're called. Sea monkeys. Well, yeah. Maybe that was that. But yeah, that was in Shrinky Dinks. Yeah. So. That's where Voldemort came from. That's where Voldemort. Shrinky Dink. And of course, Malfoy was... Uh, was back there being his Weasley little self. Real quick, uh, when they when they did that, um, when when he finally, you know, did his little introduction. Okay, I'm back. Great. He pulled Harry down from where he was being kind of tied up, and uh, he's like, "All right, fight me now. Let's let's fight. Let's fight." You know, and he kept throwing these spells at him, knocking Harry down. So Harry finally decided to fight. I'm going to kill you, Harry Potter. I'm going to destroy you. Have it your way. Harry or Voldemort throughout Avada Kedavra. Nothing can stop Avada Kedavra. Nothing stops that spell. But Harry threw out Expelliarmus and suddenly they were meeting. So for people who are wondering about that, it's explained in the book as well that what happened was something called Prior Incantatum. Uh, Priori Incantatum. And basically what that means is um, it reverses or replays the spells, the last spells that just that have been performed by that wand. So Voldemort's wand, the last spell that was performed was killing Tom Riddle because uh, Wormtail killed Tom Riddle with, with Voldemort's wand. Um, the thing that happened before that was when Voldemort killed the caretaker at the beginning of the movie. Tom Riddle's? Well, you know, Voldemort killed the caretaker at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then what happened before that was Voldemort killing Lillian James 13 years ago. Yeah. So basically it reversed it and you see all these, the the ghosts basically of those characters and they're not like shadows or whatever. They're like the actual people, their spirits or whatever. Um, so they come out and that's why par- uh, Harry's parents help and they're like we'll give you some time to get out of here and I always love that scene it's just so like with the music playing it's very mm-hmm. emotional and all that kind of stuff you know you gotta let go and everything so they block him almost, so he could get out of there yeah it's almost like Slimer yeah it's disgusting yeah just running right through you <laughs> uh, and then of course when they get back and then you had Cedric's dad just weeping man like every single time that gets me how do you think you know it's crazy too because it goes back to you're not supposed to be able to die here they still doubted that it was it was Voldemort it was back it's like okay then your only other option is that Harry killed him right and so when it's brought uh, up to Fudge he is so um, he thinks that because uh, sweep he wants to sweep it under the well, rug. Yeah, and Junior talks about how Voldemort's back and how you know because he turned into Moody and everything, and how him and Wormtail had had found him and everything. Of course, Barty still thinks that Wormtail was killed ten years ago by Sirius Black. He thinks that you know, and so when he's talking about Wormtail's back and Voldemort's back, uh, Cornelius Fudge, who's the minister, he yeah. just thinks he's he's crazy. And you'll see in the next movie. That it kind of becomes a fudge or the ministry versus Dumbledore and Harry because nobody believes Dumbledore and Harry that Voldemort's actually back. But then again, you still have to, again, this is probably our Rachel moment of the episode, but it's like, who killed him then? If it wasn't Voldemort, the only other option would be Harry Potter. Either that or he thinks that the game killed him or whatever. But, but remember, you're not supposed to die from the game or whatnot, you know? No, they did say you could die in the game. Mm. Because, you know, it's, that's why it was so dangerous and they only wanted 17-year-olds to put their names in yeah. or whatever. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, Fudge, he's just he's so scared of Voldemort or the thought of Voldemort and what that means for the wizarding world that he just refuses for his to believe administration. it. And he won't he won't believe it until he sees it for his own mm-hmm. eyes in the next movie. So yeah. uh, which, which is so weird because they briefly see in the movie they briefly kind of see a a sand type sculpture mm-hmm. of Voldemort, but they don't actually physically see him, don't they? In the book, it's it, they they full on just see him, yeah, see his body, and then he disappears or yeah. whatever. But the, in the book, Dumbledore wasn't having really a problem fighting Voldemort. He yeah. was just keeping him busy because he knew that the Ministry was coming, and yeah. he just wanted them to see him. Yeah, so he wasn't having it. I mean, like it's not like well, he couldn't kill Voldemort because I don't think he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Voldemort can't technically kill him. Well, they can't because they can't the, the prophecy said the only ones that can kill Voldemort or Harry are the other. So that means that Harry is immortal and can never be killed now because Voldemort's not around to kill him. True beans, true beans. True beans. So he gets back and there's, you know, the very, very sad scene. And that's the reason that uh, Dumbledore knew finally that it wasn't the real Moody because in the book it's, it's explained that the real Moody would not take Harry out of Dumbledore's sight after having just come back from Voldemort and Voldemort coming back. He wouldn't have taken Harry out of Dumbledore's sight. So whenever they looked around and saw that he was gone and Moody had taken him away, that's when they realized, well, that's not the real Moody. Still didn't know who it was yeah. until they turned him back and everything. But um, yeah, I think the bo- the book ends differently. I think it ends with basically them going to the Dursleys and setting them straight uh, because Voldemort's back now and setting them straight about what they need to do because when they came and picked him up for the World Cup like Arthur ended up destroying their living room by accident just because you know he's trying to move around and everything but mm-hmm. I suppose it's a really funny scene but um, but yeah that's how it ends that's uh, the Voldemort's back uh, Cedric's dead um, the schools are a little bit closer but every, everything's a bit more darker now and now some real stuff's about to happen Voldemort's out in the world again He's no longer just a ghost, a non-threatening spirit. Now he can walk in your house and kill him, kill you at any time you want. And that's what this Wizarding World has to look forward to. So, I know I'm looking forward to we it. We are back. We, we are, back. are back. And we only got four more movies left for the rest of this year. Pretty excited for that. Um, and we have Spielberg September next month. So I'm pretty excited for that because I think we're going to do some Jurassic Park, right? Yep. Okay. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, did this movie get any better for you? Or is it the you same? know that's the thing with Harry Potter movies it's usually the same and I still love them no yeah. matter what they don't get any worse really I mean you know the fir- first and second one were kind of you know eh. but you know once you get into the third one and you get to see more of the Wizarding World it, it becomes less childlike and I guess I, I this didn't these movies didn't come out when I was a kid I was already a full grown adult you know when these started coming out well right. 19 18 whatever yeah. But I, I was still, you know, I wasn't a kid growing up with right. these, which I think it's different for them. You yeah. know, like like your daughter and my daughter and my kids and your I think kids. we were both 18 by the time they got yeah. the first, first and second so, movie. Out. So to us, I think that's why we like the later movies, not so much the first ones, because the first ones were really geared towards kids younger. Yeah, I probably would have had more of an attachment through nostalgia mm-hmm. if I had watched it as a but kid. But these older ones we have a lot more attachment to because, you know, they're they're a lot older you know, and it's not so childlike Stakes anymore. Are raised. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite scene from this movie? The the one with Hermione saying, uh, boys. Really? I love that scene. That's funny. 
Uh, mine's either going to be the uh, the teaching the unforgivable curses in the classroom or the, uh, the scene at the end of the graveyard. Probably the graveyard. I, I would put the classroom unforgivable curses lesson. I'd put that in my top five scenes of the movies or whatever. But I, I did like what Moody or Junior did to, to Draco. That was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Made him put him down his pants and stuff. Yeah, like because that. like literally like nobody ever... You don't even see it until the end. You don't really. Nobody ever really gets Draco. You know what I mean? Like, like. Well, basically, because he's one a weasel, and because and is. Lucius is yeah. a weasel, and everybody. And mm-hmm. that's what I've said from the beginning. The the bad guys just put up with him because he's rich mm-hmm. and he's got resources and he's willing to do these stupid, terrible yeah. things. Too. Yeah. But I mean, even the he says, what does he say? He's like, I could tell you stories about your father that would make your toes curl or something like that. Yeah. And he wasn't saying that as, as Moody. As Moody. He was Some people that thought he junior. would say as Moody. Yeah. But he was saying that as Junior, as a fellow bad guy, saying, this dude's a weasel. Yes. You know, you want to talk about your father? Your father yeah. gets no respect in no. this world. No. Yeah, so you see how much. But, I mean, also you see that in the book it shows, you know, it's Barty Crouch because he hates all the Death Eaters because they're not doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. Finding their master. Yeah. Like he would have done, so. Um, yeah, so those are my favorite movies. This movie didn't change. If anything, I did, it just cemented. I'm like, yep, sure is my favorite movie because yeah. I actually didn't feel like watching any Harry Potter when I put this on, but I knew we had to do it, and I'm just like, I really don't want to watch Harry Potter. But as yeah. soon as it got going, I was like, I was like, okay, I really, it drew me in, and I'm like, I remember why I love this movie. So, yeah. uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter, we're at the Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website, it's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me the gillyweed. Harry, when the connection is broken, you must get to the port key. We can linger for a moment to give you some time, but only a moment. Do you understand? Harry, take my body back, will you? Take my body back to my father. Let go. Sweetheart, you're ready. Let go. Let go. Cedric Diggory will not have died in vain. You remember that. And we'll celebrate a boy who was kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end.